This is the Hidden Why Podcast, episode 630 with Toph Evans. Enjoy. Greatness is rising above the turmoil, no matter how bad the situation is. G'day, 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 and welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast. Lee Martinotti here with you guys, girls, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. Today I'm bringing you a cracker of an interview with Toph Evans, a fellow Aussie here, doing some amazing things, uh, and certainly is all about endurance, guys. I'm sure you'll get a lot out of this, because as we know, shit can happen to anyone, whether it's a life-threatening situation, a death in the family, or a business gone bust. There could be plenty of other high-stress personal catastrophes that you might relate to. Toph has faced some of these uh, serious situations, adversity, like most of us, yet he found his way through. And that's what we talk about in this episode, really, is Toph's journey and what tools he used to help him get out of the hole that he was in, to move forward with his life. And now he's doing, as I said, amazing things. So I think you guys will find this guy uh, quite inspiring and some of the stuff that he's done and suggest that we could all do um, quite beneficial as well. So let me know what your thoughts are. Check it out, thehiddenwire.com. Comments in the comments fields there. Guys, there's a few things happening here at The Hidden Wire. I'm looking to change up the episodes, etc. Um, four episodes in a blog a week is um, a little bit draining on my time, and I'm looking to do some other things at the moment, or soon anyway. Um, so I'm going to sh- change it up a little bit. I just want your feedback. What do you like? What do you like listening to? Um, perhaps what don't you like? What do you think I could leave out? I love the interview, so I'm definitely going to continue them. Um, but yeah, reach out to me, thehiddenwireguy at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. Guys, until the next show, enjoy this one with Toph Evans. Cheers. Hey, Toph, welcome to The Hidden Why. How are you going? I'm good, mate. Thank you for having me. Speaking with another Aussie for a change. Yeah. What's happening in your world today? Oh, mate, it's just a regular day, but it's one of those days where you have a few little wins. So you, you really take it down to appreciation. Yeah, it's always nice, isn't it? Have those, have those wins. Well, welcome to the show. Good to have you here and um, great to connect. I had a uh, recommendation actually from a past guest that came on the show and said to reach out to you and um, get you on here. So here you are um, and I'm looking forward to learning more about you and what you're up to and perhaps your journey as well, getting here. Yeah, of course. And appreciate the person that recommended me. Yeah, Tim, Tim Allison, I think. Ah, uh, Yes, yeah. I know Timmy. Um, so yeah, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about your journey because um, I mean you, you you look quite young. I assume you're um, a young sort of fella, um, but been on a bit of a journey already and and doing some some amazing things uh, at the moment as well. So just share your story with us, man. Yeah, sure, mate. So answering the age, I'm twenty. I'll be twenty seven this year. Yeah. Um, I'm grateful to go through what I went at an earlier age, just because adversity hits us out of nowhere. Sometimes it hits us harder than we think. Yeah. Um, and we're not here to compare rock bottoms with anyone, but I will go into deeper detail. So if we backtrack, uh, I think 2014, I was at a point where I was traveling. Yeah. I was living every day like a Saturday, <laughs> meaning I was partying every day. That's not and too was, long ago either. I mean, really, that's four, four years or so ago. Yeah, about four years ago. And... It all happened probably actually 2013, but going into 2014, I had like, I had a side business at the same time. I had, then out of nowhere, like I had stuff going on with relationships. And if we break that into categories of family, intimate relationships, uh, stuff going on with very close friends, things were just kind of going a little bit haywire. And stuff was going on with the business, stuff was going on financially. And it probably didn't help that I was partying like a maniac at the same time. Hmm. And 
essentially what happened was it was I was going into this downward spiral, and I should have nipped it in the bud early on, but we sometimes it's hard to tell. But I was starting to mask as a person. I was waking up not happy with who I was, like with the life I was living, and I was not happy. Even though I was traveling, like I absolutely cherish everything that happened in my travels. Were you traveling the world or? I was, yeah, mainly the States and um, I was in South America as well for a bit. I happened to be in uh, Brazil for the last World Cup. So I was traveling around there, but majority of American Canada. And so we're just backpacking? Like what was the uh, purpose of your trip? Um, well, when I went traveling in 2013, yeah. I, I had experienced a bit of a breakup actually, and I wanted to kind of see the world. And then I got the bug, the travel bug, right? <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to go again. Yeah. I'm going to save up and go for an indefinite manager on this time. So I, I did that, exactly. Um, but when I was masking as a person, now I'm trying to be – I would see other people's trajectories in life and I wanted to be where they're at. And I'm, now I'm too busy comparing myself to other people. So what do you, what and, do you mean when you say masking as a person? Um, really abusing the hard drugs and alcohol, let's just say that. So masking the person, does that mean just sort of numbing yourself from mm-hmm. who you were? Mm-hmm. Totally. Putting on like bottling up everything, hiding the person I am. I wasn't happy. I was losing my kind of self-worth too because of all the stuff that was going relationship-wise and the stuff that was going business-wise. So one thing kind of led to another to another and then I was just going off the rails. Mm. Um mm. It did get to a point where I'm, I'm going to be really blunt and open in this just for anyone that's listening. Um, I I did get to the point where I was in Toronto, actually. Yeah, I was in Toronto and I was ready to end it all. And things were just – and what I what was happening with my mindset, it was just going – you know when like that think and grow rich mentality, like you think, you visualize it and you manifest it. I was doing that in the opposite way and I was – there was just not happy to – be where I was. I wasn't grateful for where I was as a person. I was taking it out on people and I was just being an absolute jerk too. And just little things I noticed that it was just what I looked at failures were just getting worse and worse. And it, it probably came from immaturity as well. It was, I'm still developing as a person, but what, like these expectations I've put on myself in life just got worse and worse. I was like, oh, I should be at this point in life and <laughs> all this stupid, like, it was it was actually quite stupidity, but it was it was crazy. I remember this one time. I I tried to OD. That was, I was ready to end it all, hmm. and I stopped during the process. And I said, "This is meant to be, but this is not how I'm meant to go." And it took me a long time to realize that at this point, I had I was a very lost person. The reason why I was lost is because I was disconnected from the human race. So there were actually people there trying to support me, but I wasn't really taking that in because I felt more alone than ever. It was it was hard for a guy to open up because I'm run I've so much testosterone built up, so much ego built up that if I were to be judged at this point, that's how you can really take a stab at my masculinity. And that's worse than being then that's worse than having like to then opening up like your self-esteem being destroyed even more. Mm. So I ended up coming home because I'm like, this is no good for me. I'm, I'm an absolute menace. I can't be anywhere. So home and being Gold Coast, Australia? Back to Gold Coast, yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't until I like self-harm came into the, came into like the play now. And I remember I was, I was that kid that could just sleep for like 13, 14 hours at a time now. And I remember I woke up 
one day thinking, I really need to leave the house. Because you always hear people going, you, exercise is really good for you, all this kind of stuff. So I left the house, mm. and I'm now at this picnic table near my house. And it was like this beautiful pine dry color, and it's like saturated mahogany when I'd left because I'm just imploding. And have you ever seen when you put a uh, Coke bottle, when you put a Mentos into a Coke bottle? No, I actually haven't. I heard about it, but yeah. Yeah, so it causes this chemical chemical reaction to um, the Coke just fizzes up like crazy. It's just crazy air pressure. I was that Coke bottle, essentially. And... I, I came home and I had lost all my self-worth. Um, people looking at me like as if, and then that's probably like the self-chatter going off as well, but people are actually going up to me going, you seem so much more different than you are. And I don't know, I kind of lost it all at that point. I was, I was literally Googling ways to kill myself at that point, but I couldn't even touch the screen because there's too many tears. So I needed, I realized I had to talk to someone. I like, I, I need, that's, that's the biggest priority in life right now. I have to talk to someone about this and it will end up being like older, like women, <laughs> believe it or not. I have more women mentors than men. Yeah. Um, they allow me because you put a bunch of women together, they're going to be open and vulnerable together. You put a bunch of guys together, not as much. No. <laughs> and once I, the, here's the beautiful thing. And I didn't realize it until years after until I, I looked back into it. But once I started opening up and being vulnerable, I guess you want to use that word. It, it started to declutter the mind. By decluttering the mind, it allowed more clarity to actually see what was going on in life. So now I had like, I had like the curiosity of why am I not happy? So I, I, I really looked into that, and it came down to my health. That was the big one. Like, okay. I, I put it down to health because that's what like a lot of the articles and, and the books I was reading, and. By focusing on my health, it said, "All right, I got to do sports." Like that's that was the the correlation I put between health and and fitness. Do a sport because I'm going to be around like-minded people. I'm going to be around positive people. This is something I guess, hopefully, <laughs> and it's going to put me into a rhythm or a routine at least. That's what I need. And I took up running, dude, and I hated running at school. And I, the thing was, I, I ended up going to running because I couldn't pick a ball sport because my hand-eye coordination is shocking, mm. absolutely horrendous. I was the last dude to get picked last every time, which sucked. So, yeah, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't pick that looking at you know, some of the photos online of you. <laughs> well, there's, uh, there's no ball sports in there. <laughs> no, no, but yeah, I mean, you look you know, like a fit sort of active dude that you just assume. Um, actually, yeah, a few people say that. It's like even triathlons, I'm, I'm not the best on the bike, so I just prefer the running leg. Um, I ended up resorting to running because I, I figured that if I can control that little person, that little that little person in their head that tells us to stop running or to say your lungs are failing right now or you want to, you should stop right here, then I could be able to control the chatter in my mind when I come across adversity. And that's what it essentially had done. I built this foundation in my mind where, you know what, I should probably put this towards something. So I put it towards a marathon and I put the training in. And it, I ended up becoming like the fittest and healthiest I'd ever been after that first marathon. So I went all in. Yeah. <laughs> this is like 2015? 2015 okay. now. 2015. So you're back. Yeah. You've spent a bit of time back at home. Yep. And I'm still uh, like – How long did you train sort of for the marathon? I gave it about four months. Four months, yeah. It's good. Yeah, 16 weeks is from, usually – From a non-runner to, yeah, a marathon in four months. Yeah, and that's it, man. And – Finished that marathon. I'll tell you what, that marathon was beautifully encapsulating what life was like. You sign up for the marathon going, I have no idea what I'm doing. And 
it's not until race day where you go, I have no idea what I'm doing, but you, you, you stuck to the training and you're like, okay. And then on, but when you go, I have no idea what I'm doing on race day, you look around and it's not until everyone else is too. Yeah. And that's when I was, and I noticed that what was happening in the, when I was hitting, coming across adversity in life, I'm thinking I've got it the worst out of everyone. Like you go through stress, bro. I go through stress. Everyone that's listening goes through stress. Mm. And I start the marathon and I'm fine. I was like, this isn't that bad. And then you come across like the uh, infamous like 32 kilometer mark or it's like between 30 and 34. Is that right? Okay. I've never done a marathon, but I should do it. That's usually when the marathon kicks in because it's it's usually like the last 30% of anything I've realized. Um, When you're working nine to five, we can't stop looking at the clock about 3.30 when we're doing something for two hours. It's usually like that last 20 minutes. So it's around 30%. Yeah. And that's when the marathon was really feeling it for me. And I, I'm thinking this feels, I feel like I'm going through all the emotions of like depression and anxiety all over again. Yeah. And it's because the, when you condense something into something that small, like this doesn't marathon as opposed to life, the lows feel lower than ever. The highs feel higher than ever. Now when I cross that finish line, I, it was the best feeling in the world because I'm like, I actually endured that. Now the high was, it's funny, like I come across other marathon runners and when they're going through that hurt locker, why did we sign up for this? Some some of them are questioning their insanity. And when they finish that finish line, when they cross that finish line, they go, I need the next race so I can sign up for it just to get that high again. And it's better than any drug. And here's the other thing as well, man, like when you've gone through your own rock bottom, you're so much more empathetical and compassionate to those that have are going through or have been through something because mm. you can feel the pain like, and you don't, you don't impede that on anyone else. You altruistically, you go, oh my God, I know exactly what you feel like. And, well, not exactly what you feel like, but you can just resonate with with that. And I see that's like a bit of a blessing. So when I came out of my little mini escapade of I'm stuck in this, this mental block, when I come out of it, it's like, oh my God, I'm out of it. All right, let's finish this race. Well, I saw someone else struggling and it's like, do you need a hand at all? Because I was just in that. So, they're like, no, I'm okay. And that you obviously do everything you can and cross that finish line. And you're like, oh my God, that's like life. <laughs> mm. And then, so that was the first marathon. And then for me, there's a cognitive bias that allowed me to say, you use it or you lose it. And that's with learning and that's with any sort of habits we keep going. And this is, this taught me the, this taught me about habit building essentially. And then I did a half marathon. And then afterwards I rekindled a friendship with uh, an old schoolmate actually. And when, when we were an endurance duo, but we were an endurance duo for maybe two years where we would do all these events and it came to 2016 and we thought, why don't we just do one event a month and why don't we do it for a charity? Okay. So we can give back and we can continue trying to stay fit and healthy. And one of like, dude, 13 events, that was the plan. It turned into 40 by the end of 2016. Is that 2016? That's right. I see that on your website. You got a... Like just yeah, hundreds of events that you've attended for us. Yeah, yeah, that one, that one year, the column it's is like just double the other years, but still quite impressive. Yeah, and dude, we're talking. I oh, will do a marathon, and then it went from all right, let's do double marathons, and then we're doing hundred kilometer ultra marathons, and then hundred milers, and hmm. to being stuck on a treadmill for twenty four hours, to doing the Kokoda, and like that year taught me so much, and the. It, like 
got invited to all these cool events, managed to get a few sponsors, all this kind of stuff. But that's all well and good. But the biggest aha moment from it is something that happened quite intangible and intrinsic where I'm on this treadmill for 24 hours and I'm thinking this is event 31, dude. So we've got nine events after this. We had an event straight after the week, the week after. And we were doing that, that year for cancer research cancer research because we'd lost family to cancer. That was the emotional connection. Now, you always hear people going um, how prevalent cancer is, right? Like mm. someone, it's 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 one of the biggest killers in the world. And this is how, like it was so prevalent that came to realization that everyone has a tie. Everyone on this earth has a tie with cancer pretty much. Like if you don't have it, you have family that has it or you're friends with a family that has it. Mm. And remember these people like we've got some awesome traction behind this event and people from all over all over the states and even probably was country too like praising us all over social media but it was the people that came in source in person and they're just going thank you for everything you're doing and these are people that are being affected by cancer whether they've got family with it or they have it themselves and then people that we know and we didn't know and it's just like thank you so much and for me the biggest and this is it still is even years after where i'm grateful to go through all that hell years ago to put myself into the right mindset to make an impact on someone else. Like that's the ultimate pivot right there from where I was at to where I'm now. And in like entrepreneurship, it's persevere or pivot. <laughs> I tried to persevere. It didn't work. I had to make a pivot somehow. So I was never even, I was in, I was in the design and the engineering field and I've somehow come into the fitness, but there is a massive purpose aligned with this because I feel like purpose is tying in with serving for someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's what business is about, right? And this one, it was a charity reason. And from there, it was kind of like, all right, I think we're onto something here. And eight hours in, I'm thinking, I'm ready to get off this treadmill and light it on fire. So this is the 24 hours on the treadmill thing. 24 hours on the treadmill. And that's what got me the final 16, man. And people like, what gives you purpose? Like having it for a cause greater than yourself. That's what will keep you. That's your accountability to protect you from yourself. And even the following year, it was going, maybe we could help youth because youth, still youth for myself, um, youth are going to be your future leaders, creators, innovators, designers of the world. Why don't we send a powerful message for them? And why don't we do something different where each event correlates with a struggling cause? So now it's kind of like being locked in altitude chambers for 48 hours and training 12 hours both days for university studies, but raising funds and awareness for youth mental health because that's the event to make you lose your mind in particular because you're stuck in this glass chamber where university is like treating – like the, it looks like this animal testing lab where they're just like testing us every – like on well-being, on dehydration, on – on fitness, everything it was actually really hilarious. Now that I look back at it, um, to the that now it's going from like ultra running to ultra endurance, where we're swimming for twelve hours for um, for nippers because that's their job when they're older. They're going to be surf lifesavers. So there was a water element to. Um, so this was, is still you and your partner doing these events, like yeah. So we kind of kind of um, ended it at the end of last year. Yeah, to do a bit of solo stuff, but. It was one of the big ones that um, – one of the big events that we did last year was this project. It was called Project 465. Mm-hmm. So 465 is an addition of 1 plus 2 plus 3 all the way up to 30. So there's 30 days in November and it was Advent running, right? So to, it was kind of like getting in the mood for Advent for December. But it was 
doing an appreciation for people in wheelchairs where a lot of people even today that aren't even in a wheelchair take their legs for granted and they don't realize that people in wheelchairs, especially the youth that are born with a deficiency or bullied or maybe were part of a gnarly accident, that all they ever want in life is to walk, stand or run. Hmm. And a lot of people take their legs for granted. All right, let's pay a homage to them. So Advent running could be tied in with that. So November, and all we want to do is get the community involved and to do like maybe a few days with us. We ended up getting like 11 nations in the Facebook group. That was pretty cool. So people in Romania, Qatar, (laughs) I didn't even realize we're going to hit Qatar. Um, Turns out there's an emotional connection in Qatar because the male – the male population between, I think, mid-20s, mm-hmm. uh, a fair amount of them are paralyzed from dune buggy accidents. So it's like kind of stopping population in a way. Oh, yeah. so, wow, there's an emotional connection now. But it was like November 1, you got to run or walk one kilometer. November 2, you got to do two kilometers. That's all good. And then you get to November 15, and you're like, I just did 14 kilometers yesterday, and I've got to do 15 today. Now I've got to do 16 tomorrow. And then the last nine days are half marathon plus distances consecutive. Yeah. And it's crazy. see, it's what it taught me. Day 29, it taught me gratitude on a whole nother level, man. You put yourself, what is it? It's day 29. I started it too late. The key is to get them, like, as especially as the days get on, where you got to do more kilometers each day, get them done first thing in the morning if you can. Because yeah. if you start at 5 p.m. on day 29, day 29 like me, it's going to take you about four hours when it shouldn't take that long because it, I had to walk the first 8 to 10K just because my legs were knackered. <laughs> and I'm going, my legs are tired. And I'm thinking, well, at least I've got my legs, right? At least I can use my legs. So this one, that one taught me. And then from there, I'm, I'm here now. And I, I'm grateful to have this conversation with you, man. Like, you know, it's a pleasure. And just to kind of spread a powerful message around practical resilience, which is what I teach. Yeah, and there's a lot, lot to um, <laughs> all you've just said. Um, to I, know, I try um, to really condense it. Um, but yeah. <laughs> no, but it's it's good because you can just listen to that story and um, just listening. I mean, I can you know take away. Okay, well, that's you know, there's some there's a few key elements in there um, yeah. that have really taken you on that journey from living a life where you are, you know, looking to to end it for yourself to a point now where you just you can't get enough. You're addicted to really serving and um, grateful for what you've got to be able to do that. Um, So interesting journey. But uh, just let's go back to the the beginning. I mean, I'm just curious. uh, You said you were in business, so I assume you had some sort of company yourself, did you, when you were traveling, um, you know, back in 2013? Yeah, I I tried – actually, I tried starting a few businesses. (laughs) I've got a business now that's doing a lot better. Um, But – I was a designer, so I, I had like a little consulting business. I tried to start a watch line at one point. I tried to invent a few products. So that, that they were essentially the businesses. Okay. And and with that travel, I mean, because that sounds like, um, you know, anyone looking at that, they go, oh, it's pretty cool. You're traveling, um, you know, you're taking drugs, whatever, cool. Um, you've got your own business to allow you to do that. I mean, it all sounds, um, you know, from an external perspective, pretty nice but it's obviously not the case can you sort of explain that a little bit like why why did you feel that way was it because of that relationship breakup was there anything in particular in that that you weren't satisfied about Mm, that's that's a really good question that's the thing like there's a thing what people see and then there's the things that people don't see so especially Mm. in business um there's a lot of 
dark days involved with starting a business because you're living off uncertainty, whether you're going to make payment or if it's something to do with your team, whatever it is. Um, I'll admit I didn't have true focus on what I was doing because I was trying to do too many things at once. So this has probably taught me the thing about focus. Yeah. Instead of like multitasking everything, focus on the things that align with me instead of doing like, what is the saying by Confucius? The man who chases two rabbits catches none. I probably had 40 rabbits going on at once and someone who was emotionally attached to stuff. So I've learned how to detach myself to the positive and the negative, right? To keep it more neutral. Like there's this thing about failures and I've learned from this that look, you got to look at failures, like experiments that didn't get a plan, like things, uh, science at school where you conduct it. Like if we're going to chemistry and I'm not saying, what did you do in chemistry? I'm, I'm just thinking like chemistry is quite easy to, to understand that there's like beacons and powder and Bunsen burners where you conduct an experiment you conduct the experiment, you mm. hypothesize what you believe is going to happen, and then you test it. And for some unknown reason, the solution, the color was meant to turn purple, and it, when it was meant to turn like maybe yellow, and you go, damn, why did that not do that? And if you go into that approach with life like that, and that gives you feedback, and it, it makes you not succumb to the losses too badly, because now you don't really have as much emotion into it, and you're looking at life like an adventure. Mm. Yeah. And because you've you've detached yourself from it, that's why. And that, like, there's attachment and there's love. So for me, it's it's as well as the the shitty moments. There's also the good moments where you can't be so fixated on something that really good that happens. You can't let that keep getting to your head and to your head because that's not realistic. And I learned this the hard way. And at the end of the day, like that, you got to move on quickly. So. I've learned to just stay neutral about it. Not saying like I enjoy life in the moment. I, absolutely. That, that's what it comes down to, present focused living. But back then I was living too far in the past and the future at the same time. Yeah. That, that's a big one as well. So you talk about focus, um, you know, with, with business, um, obviously what you're doing now, you're endurance, you're an athlete. Um, you know, you've got to have a lot of focus to, to do, um, you know, some of those uh, adventures uh, that you've gone on as well. What's your advice for someone that perhaps doesn't have focus? Like, how do you get the clarity around what to focus on? Yeah, um, one thing that comes to mind. I'm just thinking what I what I've done. It, it, it's reverse engineering it. That's the one thing I probably learned how to do working in engineering when I was back in the day. Yeah, it's what is the actual end goal you want? And for me, the end goal is if we're going to think big picture, end is death. And I'm not trying to say morbid or anything, but what is like what is the legacy I want to leave behind? What is it that I kind of want to be known for? Or what is it the thing I want to do before I die at least? Work backwards from there to what you can do today. So break it up and to chunk it up. So there's an amazing book called One Thing by Gary Keller. Mm. And he talks about right, maybe you have your someday goal. What is that someday goal? So what is the thing you want to do before you die? Or what is it you want to be remembered for? Or what does your eulogy want to say? Who knows what it is? It's up to you. You know you as better than you, whoever's listening. Work backwards. All right, what can you do? Hypothetically, you die in 30 years, 50 years, whatever it is. What can you do in 40 years to get to that? What can you do today to get to that point? Right, what yeah. does the 30 year look like? To what you can do to this year, to what you can do this month, to what you can do this week, to what you can do today. Like what is – the thing is, man, it's like the domino effect, Right. Literally, the, the smallest domino is not going to hit the biggest domino because the law of physics has to be at least half, more than half because of leverage. Over time, that incremental change will hit before you even know it. But this is where you need action. And what's the opposite action? I feel it's like fear. 
So you just go into the situation with, uh, I know this seems like, this seems right intuitively, which you kind of need the gut reaction, but what is the worst that can happen? Mm. And because sometimes fear, there's a fear of failure because we've been burnt before. Yeah. But it, this is where you got to realize it's almost like, what are people going to think of me as well? Who cares what other people are going to think? They've got their own problems to worry about. And I think it's worse to, I think Gary Vee talks about this a lot. It's like regret is worse than anything. So that's going to destroy your fear of failure. But it, it's an action and you just start super small. That's why to, to get over this fear, that's why I like to do something scary every day. Something to really test myself and put my, to make it daily ritual to be in, a, in simulated adversity. So when I come across actual adversity, it's not that traumatic, if that makes sense. Okay. So, did you um, set a task like every day? Like did you do something scary today? Yeah, like a cold shower, dude. Something as simple as that. You know what? Asking, like, <laughs> if someone wants an activity to do right now to increase their fear threshold, list your 10 top fears. I, I, everyone has different fears and different ways. Like, we all look different and all this. But you have different fears to what I, what I would have. So you list your 10 top fears. Now, don't spend too much time. Just think of the top 10 that you can think of. And start with the easiest one. Hmm. And... As you get little wins, that will build your confidence. It will build your resilience because it shows you what you're capable of. And then when you knock that off the list, you're like, oh, my God, actually, it, not only does that break a, a limit, but you realize what you're capable of. So you go, okay, what's the next on the list and the next on the list? And for me, like I used to have a fear of speaking in crowds. Now I do that for a living. Then I used to have a fear of heights. So I jumped out of a plane. Now I love jumping out of planes. And here's the thing. You're not going to entirely conquer it. Well, you, you may conquer it, but you're not – going to become fearless you can however you can fear less yeah, yeah so that that's what it's taught me you know what having a cold shower is a great one you don't have to be a hero and start off with three minutes straight away if you if you haven't really done it have your regular shower and blast it on cold for four seconds at the end that's it just do four seconds if you can do four seconds because it's it's an incremental change you gotta start super small it's not you know you're not comparing yourself to anyone else that's what i was trying to say at the start yeah mm-hmm. it, it's just focus on be the better you you know what, you can collaborate and emulate other people's certain traits, but as long as you do it with your own style mm. as opposed mm. to wanting to be them because it, that doesn't seem – I know authentic is a bit of a buzzword, but that just doesn't seem you and authentic because we're, we're completely different. So you've got to embrace you. Yeah, and it's not going to be sustainable either, is it? Like if you're doing stuff that's not in your style. Yep. You, you give it a go for a while and you go, oh, this isn't working for me. You've got to find your own thing. Um, which is the hardest thing because we're surrounded by so much information out there, the how-tos, the 10 ways to it's inundating, blah, right? blah, blah. And um, um, through experiment myself, it doesn't always work. Um, when you copy what other people do, you've got to yeah, adjust it to your own style. I like that fear versus action and certainly um, you know, gaining that focus, focusing on the end goal, looking at your life now, like how do you keep things simple so you can keep that focus and clarity around where you're heading? That's a really good question, man. <laughs> that is a really good question. How do I keep things simple? Because you, you obviously got a lot going on. You've got a business. You're doing, um, you know, you mentioned to me you're potentially doing a, a TED talk. I don't know if I can let the cat out of the bag, but uh, yeah, you know, there's things going on for you. You're obviously still training. You're still um, doing challenges. Yeah. Uh, it, one thing that really works is kind of remembering. 
my values and recalibrating my mind and keeping myself grounded for that. And usually everything I kind of do ties in with that purpose, just yeah. so I'm, inter- I'm integrating life. So, for example, usually every Wednesday I'm running with the guys and we're climbing some mountain or we're doing some sort of trail run, whatever. And that knocks off three things at once, right? It knocks off my health, my well-being, and the social relationships all at once. So I'm piggybacking instead of focusing on balance – Balance is a bit hard for our personal lives. Balance works for other things, but in regards to personal lives, it's hard to get exactly – just say there's there's five important pillars in life. You've got business – oh, just say work, family, friends, well-being, and I don't know, happiness, whatever. Just say there's, there's five that someone picks. You can't get exactly 20% in each. It's a bit hard. So you integrate your life to make what works for you. And So these are looking at your values. That's it, and it's – for me, it's like, is this, to keep it simple, is this going to benefit me in the long run? And that, that that's what I've done. At first, it was a bit hard because I didn't know what I was doing. And even sometimes I don't know what I'm doing, but intuitively, it feels like I'm going the right trajectory after a lot of trial and error and hopefully no fatal errors one day. But you you find out what works best for you. And it's a lot of experimentation. You kind of go, you kind of have to start with like the scattergun approach to see. And it's like the spaghetti method, throw everything at the wall and what sticks kind of stick with that and maybe go a little bit deeper and deeper because it's, it's good to try new things. And you'll hear like people like Tim Ferriss say, you got to say no more often. But I think that when you start out, you have to say yes. You have mm. to say yes a lot more that things that aren't irrational, illegal or unethical. Yeah. So, or immoral, and and if it, if you feel it's going to benefit you, just do it. And before you know it, like where I am right now, dude, like this conversation as we speak, this happened because I said yes to a yes to a yes to a yes to a yes ages ago. That it just in beautiful sequence it led us to here. But it wasn't like it all because I just got over that fear and that taught me to not be as cynical. But if it's if it's something like if it's something stupid where it's like all right. For me now, let's go on a seven-day party binge. I would say no to that because I know it's not good for my psyche and it's not going to benefit me in the long run Yeah, because I've done it before many, many times. So I, I know what, what works for me. Um, now, I'm not saying everyone should do that, um, but that, that's how I come simplify it. Is, is it going to benefit me in the long run? That's how I make those decisions now. Yeah. I think it's um, yeah really important to have that um, you know purpose behind everything you do, and that's connecting it to the values. How is this benefiting you know my values, what I stand by, what I'm aiming for right now? And if it doesn't align you with that, perhaps there's something else you can think, say, or do in that moment to better your chances mm-hmm. uh, moving forward. What um, I mean, you talk about the uh, party life and and you know all that sort of stuff, um, which is great. Um, and I, I don't know exactly how long that journey was for you. Um, down some of those roads, um, which can be quite enticing for people, but it obviously led you to depression um, and anxiety. I don't know how deep that was. It was quite deep, would you say? Or oh yeah, man. Like here's the thing with depression: you, you, depression, anxiety working together. It's like you you care about everything, but you don't care about every anything at the same time. So yeah, well, you care about everything, but you don't care about anything at the same time. So it's like. It it's like at school you play you're at school camp or sports day whatever it is and it's like mental tug of war you're holding the rope in the middle and you've got one strong kid either side just yanking you and your world is just collapsing and it's it, we're too busy living in the past that's depression and too busy living in the future that's anxiety now don't get me wrong we need vision but when you we're just focusing on sometimes the vision can be overwhelming it's okay to have it but you just chunk it up to what you can do today 
and those little goals, like I just need to get through today. Yeah. And it, it, it sucked when people go, oh, how was your day? Oh yeah, I spent it too busy worrying. And it's because I'm not present focused living. Like I'm like if I'm eating, I just want to focus on me eating. When I'm in the shower, just focus on the shower. And I'm not trying to say some hippie shit going on, but it's it true. It, it's just hundred percent immerse myself in what I'm doing. Mm, that, sound, that's sound, what, sound like a real hippie there. Yeah, no, no, but it, <laughs> it, it really does work, man. It, it's it's even yeah, going. I get it. I get it. There's an amazing book called The Mind's Eye by Ian Robertson, and he says in the book, "Stop what you're doing right now." And he goes, just focus on one of your senses. And I, I just happened to do hearing at the time. And he said, listen out for 10 sounds. And he says, if you can listen 10, then list 20. And then you start listening. Then you start going, you're looking out for the holes and sounds. So you're like super aware. You're like your hyper awareness. So that helps. Like, I feel like that helps in life because you can kind of sense stuff when it's going on because you've got a hyper awareness. That's why meditation really works. Hmm. What um yeah I'm a big fan with with depression I've never been into deep depression I've, I certainly suffered with depression mildly uh, have done in the past and and still sometimes you know get a little bit down mm-hmm. um with deeper depression I mean I, I know people that have gone through it and it seems really really debilitating mm-hmm. um and I know it's it's you know I'd like to think it's an easy you know just get out there do a bit of exercise move a bit more you know connect with some people. Um, that's the sort of advice I'd like to give, but it's not me that's in that situation. And I, I don't know sometimes, um, how to encourage them to, how to deliver it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and really help them, um, escape that, um, with ease. I mean, it's, it's just not, um, as, as much as I think it might be just by doing a few simple things, um, taking yep. some small steps, it's just not the case. So what's your experience there? And, um, what what sort of advice would you give to someone that you know perhaps is in that situation where they're just finding themselves you know not wanting to connect they're just staying in bed you know unmotivated um, perhaps untypically from the, themselves in the past? Yeah, um, you know it's like a bit of an art sometimes. It's you don't want to offend anyone. Um, one one thing that really helped for me, man, it was it was literally like practicing enough gratitude so it changed my definition of reality so when i was doing all like it was like i said when i was on this treadmill for so long um to put myself in the right mindset to help someone else was like the best feeling like it really it it gives my body's riddled with goosebumps right now to even say that where just to help someone that is struggling makes you realize how good you actually have it because sometimes we're we're stuck in this egocentric paradigm now i'm not saying people are like narcissistic or anything like that it's just it's just how the human brain is wired sometimes uh, where, and for me, I practice enough gratitude that you don't know whose life you save. It might even be your own. And that's what, when it gave me a purpose, when, when to see someone, cause there's a disconnect when, when people are up, like, there's also other things too, where you got to, it's always good to focus on attentive listening when someone needs to talk, maybe they just need to let it out. And it can be a teary process, but just being there for that person and mm. just being empathetical for for them, just because yeah. we don't know exactly what they're going through, and maybe they just haven't had the chance or the voice to open up just yet. But when when it came to um, even just focusing on helping people, it made me realize how how much I actually did have. So, for example, when I, I used to run with a blind dude, um, maybe like once a week or so. And I felt rich and health every time I was with him. But every time I was with him, he was always smiling. 
I was like, this poor bastard lost his eyes. Like he mm. he wasn't born like this. He he lost both of his eyes in separate incidents. Yeah, one from a golf accident, one from a work incident. And every time I was with him, wow. I felt I I like I couldn't be complaining about my life because this poor bastard. I can see what I'm doing when I'm like it, it's it's crazy. So. So what's your Definitely. what's your gratitude practice? Like what do you do you know, daily to, to practice this gratitude? Yeah, man. So first thing in the morning, I will say or write three things I'm grateful for. Yeah. And you get like if anyone wants a little little activity, it's kind of like the 10 fear one. Write down 100 things you're grateful for. Don't go with the three. Start with 100. Because what it will do, you'll start you'll, – you'll be like, okay, I'm grateful to have my parents. I'm grateful to – have a car, I'm grateful to have all this stuff. But you get to the point where you get to like number 60 and you're like, oh, I'm running out of things, right. Um, one of the things I wrote when I did this was uh, I'm grateful that my coffee cup has a handle so I don't burn myself. So you're actually grateful for the little things. I'm grateful to see colors. Um, and it makes you realize how rich you actually are when you do that or how well you actually how how well you actually have it. Um, Another one is, you know what, maybe you haven't spoken to a friend or a family member in a long time and just mm. send them a message saying how much you actually really appreciate their existence. And because you never know what they're going through as well, right? Like I've, I've got like a, a, a very big list of things in, like I mentioned in my book where, um, you know what, just one, one thing in particular is like we have plenty of smart people in this world, right? Like I feel like smart people is kind of like the same as rate of technology. We're not losing them anytime soon, especially with education just being pushed and pushed, which is a good thing. Yeah. But there, I feel like there's an imbalance. This is where I can feel like imbalance is right, the word, as opposed to our daily lives, where in, there's an imbalance with kind people. Now I'm saying there's lots of kind people, but the more we practice that, then it will be a much more better world to live in because it starts to bridge the gap, meaning bridge the gap with humanity where – there's a disconnect whenever we feel alone. Now, I'm not talking about being single. I'm talking when we feel alone, we aren't. That's why I felt, at, when I mentioned at the start of my story, I just felt so disconnected from everyone. The moment mm. we can bridge that gap, especially with anyone feeling tough, like helping them out where they can, it, it, it really does re-solidify that human connection. Absolutely. I love it, man. Look, I've got some questions to ask you that I ask all guests. The first one I want to ask is that uh, do you have any routines or rituals that you believe contribute to your success, perhaps other than the gratitude practice, which I know you're fond of? Yeah, sure. So for me, I try and steer clear of my phone first thing in the morning. That's a good one. That's good. Um, (laughs) You know what? Getting training done first thing in the morning really is especially I know this is gonna to sound tough for anyone that hasn't done this before, but getting up before the sunrise, getting training in, like going for a run, do something when the sun is just about to set. It's something there's something beautiful about a sunrise and it makes you feel like, oh my god, I'm really starting my day off on the right path. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone meditates, do that first thing, maybe ten minutes. Yeah. Um but I think having that time to yourself and not checking your phone straight away, that one really helps. Just just have some you time as well, right? Um, so what's your meditation sort of routine? You know, I've, I've done a lot of meditation, man. Like I used to do some – with like a Buddhist monk at one point. Like she's just some lady at the Gold Coast that just went full monk and just does the class. But I just yeah. focus on the breath. Um, 
and just hearing the holes and sounds and just focusing on the breath. That's that's as simple for me. So it could be anywhere okay. between 10 minutes or 20 minutes, maybe 30 if I'm really feeling it, but 10 minutes is, is a good amount. Mm-hmm. Even getting some reading first thing in the morning and some training in. Yeah. And that that's usually part of the um, – one thing I am looking at doing is making my bed as well first thing because it, it, it gives you like – this sense of I've accomplished something already. What else can I do today? And there's an awesome TED talk. I think it's a TED talk of this. Uh, I think he's a colonel or he's like high up in the military and he talks about first thing you got to do is make your bed. <laughs> so why is he talking about this? And he just talks about the feeling of a, like setting your day, I think it's called, or get the day. So Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that one. I can't remember the name right now. I think I know the, um, the guy you're talking about. But, yeah, it's a, it's a good discipline. Mm. Uh, to get into the, to the habit of what um, you, so you do the meditation sort of in the mornings I guess 10-20 minutes daily yeah, I, tr- yeah. I, I get it in daily if I don't if I don't get that in somehow like something I'll just keep practicing is I'll just stop like I, like that, that activity from the mind's eye and I'll just stop and think I just, just want to be back to present focused living or a little activity I'll do is what am like? I'll just go back to the five basic senses. Like, what am I? What am, and it's like an, a minute, two minutes out of my day. But it's going. What am I tasting right now? And like really thinking about it. Like, what am I smelling? What am I seeing? What am I touching? What am I hearing? Yep. yep. And something as simple as that just brings you into the the moment right now. Yeah, it's cool. It's um, yeah, good practice. What advice would you give your twenty year old self? <sighs> Don't sweat the small stuff. How do you define success? How do I define success? Now, we all have different versions of success. For me, um, could, I, could I tie that in with greatness? Would that essentially be the same thing? It'll work for you, man. It works for me. Yeah, cool. So I feel like success is when you have that comeback. Now, we, we're going to have many successes in life and we're going to have many falls, but think about it like in sport, someone who loves sport – the games where the team is down by an X amount of points and people are like, I don't think they're going to come back and they end up coming back and they end up winning. It's like, we got to focus on being the comeback when we're pushed back pretty far down. So focus on being the comeback. And I feel like that is success in my opinion. Yeah, that's cool. What advice would you give someone looking to make some change in their life? Start small, right? Like you don't have to go all out and just it's kind of like a side hustle, right? You you don't want to quit your job maybe straight away, but maybe you can have a side hustle. So it's the same thing. Like start small enough so the fear is bearable and just go into it with what's the worst that can happen. If it's going to benefit you in the long run and you know it will and it's not illegal, immoral, or unethical, just do it, even if it might seem irrational. But it, it is what it essentially – and you build a crescendo from there and you just slowly, gradually get more and more. It's like, all right, so for example, if you go into the gym for the first time, ever or maybe for the first time in a long time don't do six days this week and don't do like two hour sessions just 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 do maybe one session this week and focus on doing 30 minutes if you can do that then the following do, and like just instead of trying to break 10 kilo, 10 kilograms trying to lose 10 10 kilograms uh, 10 kilograms in in the yeah, first yeah. two months yeah. focus on like an 18 month goal or something because you it's you're building crescendo and it comes down to the saying where the fence that's built fast falls down fast the fence that's built up steady stays up so what you put on as quick is going to come off as quick 
Mm. And it, you, you're building a foundation. Focus on building the foundation. So it starts super small. If you can do a little small, go a little bit more the next time and then a little yeah. bit more yeah. to the point where you've rewired the neural pathway about 66 days, according to University College London in 2009. Once you set that as like a habit or a new neural pathway, you will start to get a little bit curious of what you're capable of. But you've got to start super small. That's yeah. the thing. That's the good thing. Yeah. Like you don't have to balls to the wall and try and impress anyone. Just focus on seeing what you're capable of and focus on proving to yourself. I like it. What meal would you request if it was your last? What meal? Yeah. Oh, probably a pizza, man. <laughs> uh, what gives you – what activity gives you the greatest sense of joy? What activity? That's so many. Um – Something that involves people around the people I love. Um, you know what? Probably, I'm going to say running. Running with the right people. <laughs> I would have picked that straight away. You know, I think I was because you know, it's like, what is the one I most love? But you know what? When I'm running with the the, the, right, the right group of people, yeah. that is the best feeling. What book would you pass down to uh, the future generations? One book. One book. It would be Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography i love that book it's called total recall it's mm. a good one i'll stick it in the show notes along with yours as well how's your uh book going it's it's going pretty well man um ink did an article on it the other day or they, they included it into an article on one of the top 10 reads or 11 reads to read over the summer or something um so i'm very grateful but i just wanted to help one person right with the book and that kind of spread and then ink picked up on it but that's just a byproduct it, it go, I, I just that's all great and all, but can I? I just wanted it to really help someone get out of a rut. That's why I wanted. To, that's why I wrote it. When was it um, published? Fifth um, of March this year, or sixth of March? Sixth, fifth of March, two thousand eighteen. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Sixth of March. I hope it keeps um, keeps going well for you, man. It seems to get more traction, which is amazing because I'm like. Some lady in Luxembourg just bought Smart. 10 copies the other day. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a country. Yeah, nice one. Guys, I'm going to stick it in the show notes too, so check it out at thehiddenwide.com and pick up a copy. Um, have a read and, um, yeah, check it out. Check out the work. Um, what, what phrase, quote, or message would you text or tweet to everyone in the world? Uh, greatness is rising above the turmoil no matter how bad the situation is. Who's that by? Um, I coined that one. <laughs> no, but just because, <laughs> you know, just because it's the comeback. It's something I am truly passionate about. It's when when someone can just get the hit the lowest of lows and somehow come back. I yeah. feel yeah. Just get back up, dude. Just get the hell back up. Mm. I think it's a good way. Good way to look at it. I mean, if you could just yeah get back up or, or do better than you did yesterday. Or um, or the the other one. The other quote I can think of is. Oh, I'm going to probably paraphrase or butcher it. Um, people don't care what you think until they know how much you care. Oh, what's the saying? <laughs> um, do you know the one I'm talking about? No, I don't actually. Um, it's oh, yeah. it's called. Um, I'll, I'll come back to you on that one. Well, we'll find it and we'll stick it in the show notes as well. How about that? Yeah. 
What do you do? You believe we have a, um, a hidden why or a purpose in life? Yes, I think we all we all have different ones, and we different. all have. Okay. Oh, totally, man. Um, you know what? Like Michael Phelps one was to swim. LeBron James was to play, and they found it early on. For me, it's it, it's really helping people break their own limits. That's what mine is, and mine came from adversity. So it's it's understanding. That's why I think adversity is a blessing in disguise. Um, oh, the quote is: "People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care." That's yeah. the same. Well, you you, um, you pretty much got it. You know. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> butchered. Um, but th- that's why I feel like people trying to find their purpose just reverse engineer your end game. What you what's going to happen when you die? Like, it, it, it you might not be someone that is driven by legacy, right? But maybe you care about what you want to do before you die, maybe just focus on that or something and mm. just first engineer it. And at least that's going to give you a roadmap. So it's, I feel like in, in regards to being in the gym or doing a specific endurance race, there's a difference between working out and a difference between training. So it's the same thing. Like don't just be driving for the sake of it, at least have some sort of map in the GPS. And if you, even if you get like a, if we're going with that car analogy, even if you get like a broken tire, a broken tire, flat tire, or you break down, at least you still know where you're going. You just came across a setback. So mm. it just might take you a little bit longer now, but yeah. you'll still get there. So what, what do you believe living life with passion? And, oh, no. What does living life with passion and purpose mean to you? Um, for me, it's, it's living with heart. Mm. That's what I feel like it is. Okay. Living with intention. And this is a tricky question. My last question for you. Uh, what do you believe is the underlying motivation behind everything you do? Uh, it's intrinsic. I'll tell you that. Like People can cut me open. They still won't take it because it's intangible. But it's it's something intrinsic that means a lot to me, how I can benefit humanity. And what do you think that is? Oh, how you can benefit humanity? Yeah, and that, that is uh, helping people break their own limits. So helping Ed, which others, will- serving... Yeah, and that's going to subsequently fix them, help with their mental health as well. Um, I'm not saying it's going to fix it completely, but it's definitely a trajectory to get there. But just because I was a kid that grew up with not that much self-esteem and I didn't know what I was capable of and um, after being bullied a little bit as well and having a bit of a loss at one point in life and understanding, oh, we are capable of doing these things. Mm. Yeah, man, it's a pretty, um, pretty cool journey and you're, you're spreading it well, yeah, you know, having conversations um, with other people, you're doing your talks, you got the book, um, and you know, doing it for for a lot of good causes as well. So you're doing good stuff out there and um, helping a lot of people along the way, which is great. So a lot going on. How can people best reach you and find out, you know, more about what you're up to and how to support you? First of all, thank you for that that kind those kind words, man. Thank you so much. Um, the my site's probably the best because it's got all my social handles on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the site is tof t o f e hyphen e v a n s dot com. Yeah. And if anyone wants to get in touch with me, they can contact me, and it's got all the social handles at the bottom to take you wherever you hang out the most on. And um, feel free to say hi or hit me up or yeah. That's cool, man. Where did where did the name come from, Tof? It's quite unique. It's a derivative from Christopher. And in in school, about 11, 12 years ago, um, a friend just started going to me, hey, man, can I call you Topher? There's too many Chris's here. 
That's a good mm. point. And he like T O P H E R, but I said let's spell it like T O F A. Let's be a little bit different. Um, and then that stuck. And then what happened was less syllables became better, and Toph just came from Topher. Now I'm the only Toph Evans in the world. That um, there's a million Christopher Evanses. If, if they, if <laughs> now you think about it, the guy that plays Captain America, Chris Evans. So for me to own that domain name might be a little bit, and it, it, I feel like Chris Evans, there's too many of them in it. It's, it sounds like a name that's lacking a bit of adventure. And I feel like with unique name comes with a unique story with Toph. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. <laughs> I'm glad I asked. <laughs> I am glad I asked. Nah, cool, man. Look, great to connect. Uh, guys, check it all out at thehiddenwide.com. Episode notes will be up there, plus his book link and the links to his website as well, so you can check them out. And thank him for coming on the show. Uh, Toph, thank you very much again for joining me. Thank you, brother. Thank you for having me. Guys, until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon